Is this kind of loss something that will carry over? They're going to be embarrassed. They're going to be angry. And they're going to be better. I think we do need to discuss whether Matthew Barzell is going to be available to the Islanders. You don't want to go into the offseason with Oliver Wallstrom in your back pocket. And at 5 nothing, it was like somebody said, okay, folks, time to go. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 102, as we sift through the rubble of one of the most embarrassing playoff performances you're going to see, as the Islanders' season is now on the brink after an 8 nothing debacle at Amelie Arena, as the Lightning take a 3-2 series lead going into Wednesday night's game six of this NHL semifinal. And hi, I am your uh, host, Andrew Gross, and I'm going to uh, keep my voice to somber tones tonight to reflect what probably all of you are feeling. And I'm joined, as always, in the playoffs by uh, Neil Best, who will do his best to be uh, grumpy tonight for you guys, and also Colin Stevenson, who uh, will give us a firsthand account of the frivolity at Nassau Coliseum tonight as, as people sat through an 8 nothing loss. And uh, 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 Andrew, I'm sorry. A lot of people didn't sit through 8 nothing. <laughs> okay. They, they made it to what, 4 nothing, they, they 5 nothing. They, they got as far as 4 nothing, And at 5 nothing, it was like somebody said, okay, folks, time to go. Well, let's start with a round table or round Zoom discussion here. Obviously, the Islanders are taking the tack that an 8 nothing loss is the same as a 2-1 loss in overtime. A loss is a loss. So going into game six, now the Lightning have scored 10 unanswered goals in this series, which is something that's, you know, in a playoff series, that's kind of unfathomable. Uh, 10 straight goals by one team. But if you count the two goals the Lightning scored in the third period of their 3-2 loss to the Islanders in game four and eight goals tonight, that's 10, even my weak math. Uh, I checked it four times. That's 10 straight goals. Do we start with the premise that it's back to even ground in game six or is this kind of loss something that will carry over and, and does kind of portend what will happen in game six? First of all, I did notice the somberness right away with your and was not as elongated yeah. as normal. So you, yeah. you, you set the tone for us. Um, I, I'm trying to play to the room. I understand. I understand. Look, um, uh, normally I would buy, I would accept that, uh, concept that yeah it's one loss and there's blowouts and they happen and you know that would make sense to me but I think you, you brought up a key point which is the third period of game four and when I watched that period I was like oh okay the lightning are looking like they're supposed to look and they're dominating this period and it looks like they're going to tie this game and win it in overtime which of course didn't happen thanks to Ryan Pollock so I do think that the Lightning look like the better team, probably are the better team. And therefore, yeah, it does mean something to carry over to the next game. It doesn't mean the Islanders can't win, obviously. But I do think the, the, the way this game unfolded does mean more than just, oh, it's just one loss. 
I might look at it on the other side, though, Neil. I mean, I, I think if anything, this actually helps the Islanders because they're going to be embarrassed, they're going to be angry, and they're going to be better. They, you know, they have they have no choice but to be better, right? I mean, they could hardly be worse. Uh, but if you look at some of these goals, I mean, how many goals were deflected in? You know, a guy's playing his first game. He steps into the lineup uh, for for Eric Cernak and and shoots a puck that goes in off a guy's skate. Another guy, Yanni Gord, is is trying to make a centering pass, and that goes in off of uh, Andy Green. That that stuff was happening because the Islanders' defensive system collapsed on them. They were right, running. right, right, and that's what I'm saying. That's so that so that's not going to happen again. Well, I mean, they're not going to lose eight nothing again. But I, I all I'm saying is that to to me, it wasn't just a quirky, you know, bet. Well, obviously, it's a quirky night because losing eight nothing is quirky. But I mean, in terms of the who who seems to be the better team at the moment. Uh, I do think it seems to be Tampa. It doesn't mean the Islanders can't come back. All I'm saying is that to me, this uh, the nature of this loss meant more than just, oh, well, you know, whatever. It's the same as losing one nothing in triple overtime. I do think it meant more than that. Right, but I think it embarrasses them, and I think they're going to be better. You might be you – may, you may very well be right. Look, you better be embarrassed. This was the worst playoff loss in Islanders team history. They they never lost by – a. You know, they, they've lost by eight goals three times before, but this was the widest margin of defeat in an Islander playoff game. And, uh, you know, it, it started quickly. You could, the first shift, the Islanders couldn't get out of their zone. The, 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 the Lightning had four shots in the first 45 seconds, and that culminated with Steven Stamkos with the first of his two goals to make it one nothing just uh, 45 seconds into the game. Semyon Varlamov was on the bench by 15:27 uh, uh, of the first period, having faced 15 shots, allowing three goals. And look, I, I agree with you, Colin. I I don't know how much more Semyon Varlamov could have done. Um, you know, maybe there was one where he didn't control the rebound well enough. That's probably the the only nitpick you have on him. But but really, that was. That was Barry Trotz's only bullet to play at that point was to try and shake him up. And Neil, I loved your lead. I I, I think you were correct. And I'll let you announce what you had written. But I, <laughs> I, I, I did like your sentiment there. Well, yeah, I basically said that maybe, you know, instead of uh, pulling Varlam up, you should have pulled everybody else. Of course, that would have, you know, that would have resulted in a lot of odd man rushes at at Varlam at off. <laughs> But yeah, of course, it was kind of, you know, I guess I understand what Barry was doing, because like you said, there was no other, there was no other trick he could pull at that point. Um, you know, but it was also kind of weird. I mean, look, the, the, the fact that Sorokin allowed five goals after that indicates to me he's, he will go back to Varlamov. It would have been more interesting if Sorokin had shut him down from there. Then we'd be having a very interesting discussion. I do not think that's a discussion. Varlamov will start game six, as he should. But yeah, it, you know, he was so, he was far from the worst, you know, offender in the first period because uh, it was a complete breakdown. Yeah, no, and, and, and I, I'll just say I agree with you 100% that Semyon Varlamov has to start game six. You know, uh, uh, Ilya Sorokin did not 
grab the net in any way, and and I don't think Varley lost the net in in any way. But it would it would have been interesting at Sorokin. Let's say they lose three nothing, and Sorokin right. doesn't allow it. That would have been an interesting discussion, but that's not what happened. No, this was this was a total breakdown in the, in, in every facet of the game. It, it just did not work for the Islanders to me. I said on Twitter that I take responsibility for this because I don't know if you guys even remember this, but uh, you know, as journal, as sports writers know, writing close games on deadline is a challenge and writing routes is, can be a little easier. <laughs> so there were several times I said, can't we just get one team or the other to win eight to nothing? <laughs> I don't know why I picked that score, but several times I said, can't we just get one eight nothing game? Well, you know, well, it, we got it. <laughs> Yeah, it's all my fault. I take responsibility. And you know what? This was an eight nothing game that felt like an eight nothing game, sort of from the get go. There, and you know, we we do these post game analyses of the uh, of you know of the game, and we we write turning points. And as I was filling that out tonight, I'm thinking, what's the turning point in this game? And you know, I wound up writing the opening face-off because really from the opening face-off, like I said, 45 seconds into the game, it's clear that the Lightning are all over the Islanders. They're, 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 they're beating them to pucks. The, the, the Islanders are having trouble in the defensive zone. Everything that happened in the game was spelled out in those first 45 seconds. Although it, now that I'm thinking about it, if there was a real turning point in the game, yeah, they had this awful first period. They actually showed some signs of life to start the second period. And, uh, you know, Nick Letty hits a post and then Josh Bailey immediately hits the other post. And, and Brock Nelson has Vasilevsky sprawled. He hits the side of the net. You know, maybe if they get one there and it's 3-1, you, you can make, you know, you could make a case that the Islanders could have, pulled themselves somehow back into the game. They don't score there. And, you know, and then they, the Islanders started running around playing undisciplined hockey and, and wound up, you know, the giving up too many power plays, the, the lightning are leading six, nothing by the end of the second period, they're three for six on the power play for the game. And while we're not going to discuss whether it's going to be Semyon Varlamov or Ilya Sorokin, in the Islanders lineup for game six on Wednesday night back at the Coliseum, I think we do need to discuss whether Matthew Barzell is going to be available to the Islanders for game six after he got himself ejected, a game misconduct and a five-minute cross-check on lightning defenseman Jan Ruda at the end of the second period. And Ruda did not come back and play in the third period. Lightning coach John Cooper did not have an update on his status. And, and I kind of think that, you know, even if he did, Coop is withholding that information but until the league decides what to do. Although, you know, maybe if he was concussed, Coop might have come right out and said, yeah, he's got a concussion or whatever it is. But, you know, we kind of wait tomorrow or, or when you listen to this today to, to find out if or what kind of supplemental discipline Matthew Barzell uh, receives from the NHL. And, and as you're watching that play, what, what were your thoughts, A, on the hit, and B, whether the league does come down on Barzell? I didn't really get a good look at it. 
I have to be honest. Um, it, were you, were you on the Islander bench with a lot of tall players in front of you? or <laughs> <laughs> No, I will tell you the truth, though. Um, you know, I, I, I as you, you alluded to, I was in Nassau Coliseum, right? I went to that watch party, which, you know, it was great. It was, you know, I'm, I, you know, I was going to the place and I think people were really into it and wanted to be there. But it's weird because, first of all, the the you know, the video screens aren't that big. I'm sure it's just me, but I kept looking on the ice to see if there was anything happening on the ice, which of course there wasn't. Um, and so I didn't, you know, I didn't, just the, the TV I was looking at was uh, far away and I just didn't have a real good look at it. I, it. It did look on a replay that I saw that he did cross check the guy in the jaw. I, yeah, I mean, he could absolutely be suspended for that, but he's not a repeat offender. Um, he would be a first time offender. Um, and so I, you know, I mean, I think it could go either way. I think they could look at it and say, hey, listen, this is it's a guy who's never done anything like this before, as far as we know. We'll just find him five thousand bucks to call it even. I mean, they they, they find a lot of people five thousand dollars in this in this postseason, as uh, you know, as, you know, the Boston Bruins could probably tell you. So uh, I think it could go either way. Um, you know, I'm I'm I personally probably would would suspend him for a game or two. But I can also see where they might not. Just throw this out there. I'm leaning towards him getting the $5,000 max and being in the lineup for game six. I, I'm sorry, Neil, I cut you off there. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think there's enough ambiguity in that. I mean, he kind because of, it was unclear if he got him with the stick or with his shoulder fist or, uh, I mean, he deserved the penalty he got in that game and he'll deserve a fine. I, I do think you know, given the stakes of the game and given his lack of a rap sheet, that there's enough ambiguity in what he did to, to not suspend him. Um, I do, you know, the fact that they're up, you know, at that point, I guess that was, I've lost track of the goals. It was a six, nothing at that point. Um, so, so, you know, if you're Cooper, well, why would you put the guy back in the game? Yeah. Let the league think he, I'm not, I'm certainly not saying he's not injured. I have no idea. Even if he's, could have played why would you put him in there when when tell the league that? Seems like I, he play. That, I mean you, you, six nothing why would you put him back in but somebody has to play and this this it's not victor headman you know i mean it's uh so i mean but why not give leave the impression this guy could be seriously hurt i and maybe he is i don't know that would be gamesmanship right we've never seen that in the playoffs before <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. To me, to me, uh, again, you know, get the, the totality of the circumstances, I think it would be the right thing to not suspend them. But, but that being said, it's not like they wouldn't, you know, if they do decide to, it's not like it's some crazy inappropriate decision. No, but I think, I think we're all kind of on the same page here. I mean, we all seem to think that it could or it couldn't happen. Like, yeah, no, he could. And, uh, but I do, th I do think, you know, you could say, well, no, everything should be treated as uh, all situations being equal, but they're not all equal. I mean, to me, if it's a close call, I don't have a problem with the league saying, you know what, this is <laughs> the magnitude of this player in this game is such that we better be really sure that he should be suspended. And if it's a close call, then don't suspend him. I think the Lightning will be upset if he is not suspended. I, I, oh, really? <laughs> you think so? Yeah, I think that's fair. To, I think that's fair to say, yes. Just like the Islanders will be upset if he is suspended. Yeah, we're probably going to. Although, I mean, Barry Trotz did not protect his player one bit 
You know, uh, <laughs> Arthur Staple asked if he was disappointed in, in Barzell's actions there. And Barry Trott said, yes, I am disappointed. He, he felt like he put his, his teammates in a bad spot there, you know, uh, more shorthanded. But look, the game gets away. We, we can count up. Let's see. Uh, Matthew Barzell gets a game misconduct. Scott Mayfield and Matt Martin, their nights end on, on misconducts with, uh, you know, it's 1630 of the third period. We got Pellick had a fighting major. Matt Martin had a fighting major. Pellick was fighting Yanni Gord uh, at the end of the third period, which is a well, match. Wasn't much of a fight, though. No, no, it wasn't. But I would not have picked an Adam Pellick Yanni Gord fight at the start of this uh, series. And then Matt Martin and uh, Luke Shen. Uh, Luke Shen goes into the. Uh, the, the lightning lineup for the first time in the series and, and actually has a pretty, <laughs> he's involved a lot in, in this game. He gets that fighting major with Matt Martin. That was kind of one-sided. Matt Martin took care of that pretty quickly. And then he scores this goal. And, and of course, Luke Shen is playing because Eric Cernak is unavailable with an upper body injury uh, after Matt Martin really took him out along the boards. Uh, in the third period of, of game four. That fighting stuff is obviously is normal in a blowout like this. To me, the from an Islander's perspective, it's much more disturbing, those four penalties in the second period, which, yeah, you know, which led to two power play goals and were the kind of thing they're supposed to be avoiding. I mean, fights in the third period of an 8 nothing game are kind of normal, but that, what happened in the second period was worse. And, and you know what? made it really worse was uh, Brock Nelson's hooking penalty and the Cal Clutterbuck interference both happened in the offensive zone. You know, while the Islanders are trying to desperately gain any kind of traction, kind of two undisciplined penalties there, the needless penalties. And, you know, the, the, the wheels fell off multiple times for the Islanders. And it was like, you know, they kept patching, Patching the damn water was spouting everywhere. Whatever kind of cliched analogy you want to use, the, the, the Islanders just, they couldn't get out of their own way the entire game. I would rather see them get all of their mistakes in the one game. Only one game, right? So if you have all of this bad stuff happening in one game, and then you come back in the next game and you play a clean, crisp game, because you got all that bad stuff out of the way. I mean, isn't that better? I mean, wouldn't you rather lose eight nothing and then you know, and then have a nice performance, bounce back performance in the next game? I think that's 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 can be true. But I go back to the first thing I said. You're playing a team that's you know on paper better than you, and and um, there's just too many bad signs to over. I, again, I know they can overcome what happened. But, but I just, it's just hard to envision them doing that two games in a row. Maybe they will be a great story. Tell us more about the scene at the Coliseum and like what happened out after, you know, 45 seconds in. I mean, what was that? What, just what was the scene like? <laughs> you know, the fans obviously wanted to cheer and, and they, they, you know, 45 seconds in, people are stunned. Like there's, there's, there's background noise, right? It wasn't completely silent. Uh, and people are stunned and they tried a little bit to, you know, later on in the period to, to, you know, get, get some stuff going. At one point on an Islanders power play, 
they actually sang the Josh Bailey song, which I, I thought was interesting because by that time, half the crowd had already left because I think it was, <laughs> it was one of those third period power plays. But um, no, it was, it, you know, it was, I think people were just stunned and, and uh, like they cheered when Varlamov got taken out of the game. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, which I thought was, was not great. Um, I, I don't know that, you know, as we've discussed, I don't, you know, he gave up three goals on what, 15 or 16 shots. And, and uh, I, you know, I don't know, like, at least one of those bounced in off of Andy, you know, Andy Green. And, you know, so uh, I think it was a little harsh, but also, you know, I, I think they just wanted a change, right? I mean, it was three, nothing and Barry did something. So they cheered as soon as they saw uh, Sorokin uh, get his stuff together. Um, they started cheering, which I thought was a little unfair to Marlamov, but of course he wasn't there to hear it. So uh, <laughs> uh, it was just, it was just weird. I mean, you know, a couple of times they made noise and then they did, you know, the Islanders to their credit, they did, um, it was four nothing. And uh, at one point, and they were throwing t-shirts into the crowd and the people were going nuts for the t-shirts. So, I mean, they were all, they were all trying to have some fun, but the, the goals came, I would say almost without, warning right i mean right. 45 seconds in i don't think people were prepared for that uh and then the next shift i think you know the, the, <laughs> the lightning were back there again and you know varlama had to make a save and um i, I think people everything just caught him by surprise and then it was two nothing and i don't think people had any indication that that was gonna happen and and then it's three nothing it changes goalies and then you know you get out of the period three nothing and Sorokin made a couple saves and you know everybody thinks okay we've stabilized and there was a huge cheer because people thought that the Islanders had scored early in the second period um, and they cheer it was a sustained cheer I, I I forget who had not scored but they thought somebody had scored it was a sustained cheer and um, and then uh, kind of got quiet again when obviously the play kept going and. The biggest cheer of the night, to be honest with you, was the Matt Martin fight. Because, of course, that yeah. came right after, you know, right after it was, you know, 5 nothing, I guess. And that's when everybody just got up and started to walk out. And then very shortly after that, Matt Martin got into a fight and won the fight. You alluded to this earlier, but that seems like a challenging place to have a watch party because the video board is not among the best in the league. <laughs> Regular listeners of this podcast know that my son is a, is a, he's a huge Islander fan. So, you know, as soon as the tickets went on sale, he actually bought a couple tickets and him and his brother uh, were going to go. And then I got assigned to go. So we all went over together um, and then I went up to the press box to do my thing. And they went uh, and sat in their seats. You know, we're driving home and battling traffic to get home. You know, crossing that George Washington Bridge was was a nightmare at midnight but i was asking uh i was asking my son i said so uh if they have a watch party for game seven are you going back and he's like nope <laughs> so, <laughs> like, i've been to the coliseum for three games and they've lost all three i'm not going i, I, I don't I, know if any of those people is coming back if, if you know, I, I do wonder if they would try and do a viewing party for game seven <laughs> at this point yeah, yeah. i mean I, you know there's 7200 people there i i I'm not sure any of those people would be coming back. Yeah, no. So the, the Lightning are now one victory away from winning their seventh straight playoff series, right? Um, they are now, including this game five blowout, they are now 13-0 and 0 
in these seven series after a loss. That's pretty good. And, and, and the other thing I'm wondering is, like I said, they are now one game away from a, a repeat trip to the Stanley Cup final and a chance to defend their, their, their championship. I, I just feel like they're a shark in the water smelling blood now. You know, they are $18 million over the salary cap. Oh, boy, here we go. $18 million. They know how to close series. $18 million. If I'm the Islanders, that is a big concern to me. No, I mean, like, they're good, and we've talked about how good they are. But why do you think they're so good? Because they have a lot of good players who make a lot of money. And according to the league rules, you know, they have too many good players making too much money. Braden Point. Apparently not. doing it. Braden, Braden Point is just the second player in NHL history with a goal streak of at least eight games in the playoffs as he, he scored. How in- did, how did, how did, how did, so, so that like trips me out. Like I was literally lo- I, looking at this game like, okay, well, at least, at least Braden Point hasn't scored. It was like six nothing. <laughs> he scores. I'm like, come on, man. Could you not even bring it back? The re, the re, he scored. On the cross-checking major to Barzell that put the lightning yeah. on the power play yeah. to start the third period for five minutes with with a six-nothing lead, you know. I, I mean, like I said, the wheels keep kept falling off this team. Uh, you know, Braden Point keeps scoring. Nikita Kucherov nearly took out Ilya Sorokin. I thought Varlamov was going to have to come back into the game after yeah. Kucherov hit him with that shot. I, I read your story. You get him in the neck or something? Yeah, yeah. And then, and, you know, people are wondering why, you know, there's not better neck protection. But, you know, for as does long as... Does he have that, uh, that, that neck, that throw protector thing? I don't believe he does, no. I mean, it, that's crazy, right? I, I thought for as long as they were looking at him on the ice that, you know, I, I know it wasn't in the head, but I, I just figured an NHL spotter might say, you know what, why don't we just be sure here, you know? Yeah, they could put Mayfield, uh, uh, no, they could put, uh, uh, what's his name? Pulak. Pulak. Put Pulak yeah. in there. He's been a street hockey goalie, right? Yeah, well, Pulak has made the best save of the last uh, four periods. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. know how quickly they forget. You were gushing all over that save on Kucherov by Varlamov, and now now he's nothing to you. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I said Varlamov <laughs> goes right back in the net for, for game six. And, and Varlamov, the Islanders trust, you know? And look, do, do I expect the Islanders to lose 8 nothing again in game six? No. I, no. I would put a ton of money down right now that one way or another, that's going to be a one-goal game. <laughs> Guys in the gambling. I don't understand what this gambling thing. So when we talk about gambling, we're just talking about perception of what might happen. It's another way of, of predicting. Neil, would you put money down that it's going to be a one goal game on uh, on Wednesday? I definitely would do that. Yes, <laughs> because because I got the hockey gods gave me my eight nothing game on deadline and. Uh-huh. Uh, it's going to be triple overtime, and uh, Leo is going to score in triple overtime, and you're going to be on a plane to Tampa on Thursday morning. Let's wrap it up here. Speaking of Uncle Leo, do you think now that Barry has fully 
I mean, this is presuming that Matthew Barzell can play in game six. Is Barry Trotz now committed to, to playing Kyle Palmieri full-time with Jordan Everly and Matt Barzell? Because that's how he started game five. And, he, and you had Komarov with Pajot and Zajac from the start, even though that's not the way they showed it in the pregame rushes. It certainly seems like it, yeah. I, but, but, you know, well, obviously if Barzell's out, there's going to be juggling. But even if Barzell isn't out, you know, maybe he'll shake things up just because they just lost 8 nothing. Yeah, no, I, I think it's time to shake things up. I think you got to get Wallstrom back in there because this could be the last chance you have. The you question would be who comes out. You don't want to go into halftime with any timeouts in your pocket, right? That's what they say in football. Right. You don't, you you don't, this could be the last game. So you don't want to go into the offseason with Oliver Wallstrom in your back pocket. Nope. Nope. He's got to play. The question is do you take out AJ? Well, you know, I mean, assuming the decision is not made for you. Yes. Yeah. uh, You know, who comes out? to put Wallstrom in. And I, th- you know, I, th- I think at this point, if he loves Leo, it's got to be Zajac, right? So so if, if the league makes the decision for you and you have no Matthew Barzell and Oliver Wallstrom comes in, right? are you now putting J.G. Peugeot in between Palmieri and Everly? Yes. And Everly, and you're putting Zajac in between Wallstrom and Komarov? Yes. Yes? Yes. Well, you do it. Yeah, that's a very plausible scenario. Yeah. All right. That's, I mean, that's probably the way I would do it. But uh, again, we'll... <laughs> Although, you know, if, if you're Ollie Wallstrom and you're playing with Leo and, <laughs> and, and Zajac. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you, you yeah. want to maximize Oliver Wallstrom's shot if you get him into the lineup. So. It's... Yeah. I mean, he play on the power play, but uh, you know. All right. Well, so Tuesday promises to be a, uh, an interesting day as we, you know, wait for the NHL to, to say something uh, or not. And uh if folks, if you're listening to this and you're looking for updates, please follow Colin Stevenson on Twitter at Colin S. Newsday. Is uh, tomorrow is a travel day, so uh, I will be in the air from approximately noon until about 2:45 p.m., provided everything is on schedule or not. So, uh, Colin Stevenson at Colin S. Newsday is your man tomorrow for immediate updates and. Uh, I just want to say thank you to Colin for um, for letting me travel in peace tomorrow, and uh, and and it's a busy. Oh, oh. Before we go in, before we go, I'm sorry. I, I have to. I have to toot a little my own horn. I decided this evening to just have a little fun with my Ranger fan uh, friends. And oh, you put the poll up. I I I, I put up a poll. And I asked, I asked Ranger fans, Ranger fans only, what are you doing with this Islanders playoff thing? Are you rooting for Tampa Bay? Are you rooting for the Islanders? Or are you ignoring the whole thing? And uh, I have to say, like, probably like uh, the last, at last count, probably about 11% of, of, of Ranger fans are rooting for the Islanders. So that's... So 89% are not. 
Yeah, so 71% or 2% are rooting for Tampa Bay and, 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 and the rest are ignoring it. Yes, so yes, about 15% are ignoring. Although, uh, you know, as we've talked about before, most Devils fans are rooting for the Islanders, but not Rangers fans. It's interesting because, you know, I think it's a reflex reaction on, on Ranger fans, partly, you know, they're not going to root for the Islanders. I would say... How can you root for a team that's eighteen million dollars over the salary cap? But that, what I want you to, and the, when the Rangers introduce their new coach at ten a.m., I want you asking him what he thinks of the Islanders Lightning series. <laughs> he's, he's a former Panthers coach. He knows the Lightning well. So there you go. Ask him for ask him to come on our pod after Game Six. Ask invite him on our pod after Game Six as our guest analyst. Tell them we'll pay. Tell them we'll pay for the cab fare. I think I don't want to do that. Uh, hockey joke. No one got the cab fare joke. Oh well. <laughs> I got that. I got that joke. Okay. All right, folks. Thank you so much for. Uh, I know for for anyone who listened to this, I, I appreciate it. I know you probably didn't want to think about game five or think about the Islanders. Uh, you probably want to break from this team for a little bit before game six. So if you listened along, thank you for being a loyal listener. And thank you again to Neil Best at SportsWatch and Colin Stevenson at Colin S. Newsday. I'm your host, Andrew Gross. I'm at A. Gross Newsday. And for anything, the, the trio of us, um, or the line combination, however you want to call it, for anything we produce, that's on newsday.com backslash aisles. And until we come to you with episode 103 after Wednesday night's game six, a must-win game six, a winner-else game six at Nassau Coliseum, until then, try and have some happy hockey, folks. <laughs> <laughs>